Number Ooh. one. There is draw, draw from the tower. Silence. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. Oh, goodness. Okay, you just oh, went no. insane. <laughs> Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Dr. Richard doesn't go insane until five Oh, you are really lucky. (laughs) Welcome to Witch Game First, where we boldly explore the hilariously huge world of board games. Did we find any hidden treasures you've been missing out on? Let's find out. First up today, we charge, overtake, and try not to spin out in Formula Motor Racing. Next, can we successfully investigate the sanity-straining sights before we lose our marbles at the Tower of Madness? And finally, we stay up all night to get clucky in Funky Chicken. I'm your host, Celeste Angelis. Now let's meet the rest of our brave and intrepid panel. Hi, I'm Mike Grenier, and if I am mad, it is mercy. May the gods pity the man who in his callousness can remain sane to the hideous end. Hi, I'm Ed Povolitis. The oldest and strongest emotion of mankind is fear. And the oldest and strongest kind of fear is fear of the unknown. Your silence most offends me, and to be merry best becomes you, for out of question you were born in a merry hour. And I'm Joe Unfried. <laughs> Our first game up this week is Formula Motor Racing, designed by Reiner Nesia, published by GMT Games in 2007. We played the second printing. It was first published in 1995. Number of players, three to six, ages eight and up. Runtime, 20 minutes. Let's start with Joe. Joe, what did you think? This is another good beer and pretzels offering. There's 12 cars, a map showing the current lineup of the racers, and a deck full of cards for messing with your opponents. And Ed, what did you think? He rubbed you, and rubbing is racing, son. (laughs) Mike? Is this a race? Because I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere. Oh, GMT Games continues to impress me with their versatility. I finally accept that it's not just for war nerds. (laughs) Before we get started, Joe, can you tell us a little bit about the game? Playing this game, you can sit around, moving your cars up and down the positions on the track. You could be hot on the heels of the car in front of you or a mile behind. All that matters is where you place in the order. If you have the right cards and play them right, you can end them with a win for one of your cars, or even both of them, no matter how you started. Yeah, I was really struck by the simplicity of the game in its layout, its board. It's just a tiny board. It's like uh, 12 inches by 4 inches, and you line Mm. up all these plastic cars. Everybody gets two. Yeah, it's very simple. It's basic. You just have a... Uh, basically a piece of paper with uh, two cards you place on yeah, it. Yeah, I thought it looked dull, but I, I was kind of thinking that, you know, it's efficient. <laughs> I think it speaks to the expertise of GMT games. Mm-hmm. These guys are, you know, known for their heavy, long war games. And I think that all of those years of writing yeah. rules for things that are so complicated gave them an expertise in paring it down and the rules are clean the rules are clear and they work really well well you also have to keep in mind the designer here this is uh not his first game yeah it's not his first rodeo (laughs) but i think some of it's probably attributable to gmt as well yeah neither one of them has a reputation for being a stripped down game no designer or the company it's true so you know kudos to them because it is really playable i was expecting a game with a mammoth board Mm -hmm. you know laid out for some mile-long track that you were going to have to you know go around four times you know through 
tight corners yeah. and dangerous places. And this is a fast-paced card game. Yeah, which is kind of funny. I first saw this game at the WBC uh, a couple years ago, and we're getting ready for the finals. And I saw they had a custom board made, and they bought their own like a foot-long painted card they put to <laughs> the finals. That's fun. So it looks really good. So everybody getting ready for the final. Everybody playing on the paper match all day. And now they're getting ready and they've got this custom board with these huge cards. They're getting ready to play. It's awesome. They should have had those cards that you can sit in. Yeah. <laughs> and then just stand up, lift the car up with you and walk. <laughs> like Flintstone yeah. style. <laughs> I would totally play that. Speaking of the cars in this game, they're only about one inch long, but I love the colors. The colors are bright and the cards are colored too. Right. Some cards are specific to the car color that you're playing, meaning you have to play the card on that color car. And some are black and white, in which case you can play them on any color car. Yeah, I think that helped lend to the game simplicity because you just match up. You know, if there's a color on it, it shows, oh, that's the car you affect. Right. When I played with my kids, they were really upset when they first realized that some of the cards they could only play on opponents' cars and they were advantageous to the opponents. Sometimes if you look at the line, it could still work to your advantage, but it required them to think a little bit more carefully about what they were doing. Right. Because a lot of times those cards uh, allow this car behind it to follow along so they can draft up. So it's like, oh, I'm yeah, I'm moving the orange car up, but I'm moving my car up with him. Oh, yeah. What, what Was that the slipstream effect or something? I guess you could play out in the car directly in front of you and you would still advance. Right. And a lot of times you're just playing the card that does the least damage to your position, too, because you don't have any great mm -hmm. choices left. Because you got to play one. Especially near the end of the game. What I found was that the cards that were going to mess you up would start to build up in your hand. And then by the end of the mm -hmm. game, you were going to have to play something that was probably going to hurt you. And it was just a matter of minimizing the damage. Yeah. Sometimes you just want to play those cards yeah. earlier to get them out of your hand. Right. That's a good. I think it's good to save a, uh, one or two cards for the end. Mm -hmm. for like that last card, you can uh, make a, a final push to the finish line. Yeah. I mean, if you can figure out when, you're, when the last player is going to go, you can really uh, take full advantage of the cards you have in your hand. The board is just a scorekeeping mechanism. And even though it's completely stationary, I felt that it evoked the spirit of racing pretty well, which is impressive considering nothing moves. Yeah, it just, show, it just shows a running order, which is kind of neat. It makes the, the game very simple, but still show that it's a race. Well, I thought it was a good mechanic for keeping yeah. track of the placement, but it didn't really feel like a race to me because we were so stationary. You know, I didn't get the excitement of formula racing from that. Well, I mean, this definitely mm -hmm. not the movement, but I felt the speed was there, especially when playing with my kids, because they were just like, put a card down, mm -hmm. pick up your next yeah. card, yeah. charge, move my car three spaces, next card. It, I agree. It helps move the game along because it's fast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they sacrifice a little bit of strategy for like speed and for simplicity but i think it's okay in a game like this especially for the age that the game is made for mm -hmm. i think it's a good family game for that yeah i mean you're being generous mike they sacrifice yeah. a lot of strategy <laughs> yeah that's a true <laughs> ultimately it's just a fast fun card game that has a cool theme to it that i think heavily informs play and really is i thought thrilling fun <laughs> yeah especially those cards that make you push your luck oh yeah i love press your luck stuff Oh, yeah, the dice. Yeah, there's a 12-sided die in there. So some of the cases, like, 
Oh, you rolled the twelve sided die, and that's the car that crashes. Uh-huh. Yeah, could be yours. It, that was very exciting. My son loved it, and he especially loved one of the cards gives you a chance to re-roll. So if the die, if the bad effect affects one of your cars based on what you rolled, you get to roll again. He really liked that. <laughs> now, this game does have a little bit of player elimination. You can have both your cars just knocked out for the round, um, but the rounds mm-hmm. are mercifully short. So if you're out, you're not out for very long. Right. And the scorecard encourages multiple races. Right. I mean, they suggest to do multiple races so you can have points add up right and that that makes more sense to me because there is some there are some advantages to starting off in the pole position or whatever but if you play multiple races that all changes and it, and it equalizes it out a little bit okay it's time to decide whether or not to dig up or bury formula motor racing joe how about you simple quick and fun the game requires very little table space good game for a road trip dig it up ed if you ain't first, you're last. Dig it up. <laughs> Mike? I didn't really feel the excitement that a high-speed race should invoke. Um, it's not a bad game, but for me, I just say bury it. This is a simple, clean game. I love the racing theme. thought it was great. I was excited to draw the next card every time. Dig it up and race to get it. Joe, where can you find it? The MSRP is $20. It can be found at your friendly local gaming store and online. If you have thoughts about Formula Motor Racing, we are at Which Game First on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Give us a shout. Our next game up this week is Tower of Madness, designed by Kurt Covert, published by Smirk and Dagger Games, 2018. Number of players, 3 to 5, ages 14 and up. Runtime, 30 to 45 minutes. Let's start with Joe. What did you think? For all the horror Lovecraft wrote, centered on the tenuous fragility of the hectic and complex world we know in the face of an alien, uncaring universe, he sure did set a lot of his writing way out in the boondocks. Frankly, I've always preferred the higher stakes of confronting eldritch threats in the bustling heart of human civilization. And Mike, how about you? I am always ready for a game that makes me lose my marbles. Ed, how about you? Why are we moving towards the tower on the tentacle? That is simply insane. What are you talking about? It's going to be fine. I don't believe in nonsense like that. (laughs) This is a boldly ambitious design for a game. It reminded me of games of old like Mousetrap where setting up the game was part of the fun. But before we get started, Ed, tell us a little bit about how it's played. Investigate unspeakable horrors without losing your marble. Literally. Players take turns rolling dice to meet the horrific challenge of each location and earn discovery points for conducting the best investigation of that site. Every location card in the deck must be completed before the third Doom marble drops from the tower. If they do, the investigators save the world! But only the non-insane investigator with the most discovery points is the winner. If the third Doom Marble drops, the investigators lose and the world is consumed. Insane players may share briefly as they are eaten last. If you are the insane player that caused the final Doom Marble to drop, you are declared the Doom Bringer and win the game. <laughs> uh, Kurt definitely has a, uh, a way to make the people who are down and out a little bit in the game still have a chance to win. And in an H.P. Lovecraft setting, that's wholly appropriate. 
Yeah. It, it is. It is. Actually, I'm, I almost kind of prefer to be the Doombringer <laughs> rather than just be, eh, I want yeah. A lot of people like to be on that kind of side of a game. <laughs> yeah, I can get back to my ordinary life and no one will ever believe me if this happened. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked the layout and structure of this game. First off, let's talk about the tower. The tower is this cool structure that comes with the game. It's over a foot tall. You stand it up and then you slide in these plastic tentacle pieces all through the tower. Takes a little bit of time, but it is fun in and of itself. And then something amazing happens. You pour <laughs> marbles in the top of the tower. The marbles don't yeah. run out the bottom and they slowly come out as you pull the tentacles out. It's amazing. I was really impressed with this design. That mechanic of the cosmically unstable tower reminded me a little of the horror game Dread, which uses the mechanic of a physically unstable tower of wooden blocks. And for me, that's a very good thing. But the spookily unique dice, complete with elder signs and the weird palette of colored marbles, provides a sinister, otherworldly touch. And your die rolls, you know, live or die by a push-your-luck system, which I've always liked. Yeah, I love press your luck because there's nobody to blame but yourself when you fail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the tower definitely a uh, throwback to Kerplunk. Yeah, if you're ancient like we are. Yeah, but when you see the tentacle coming out of this, you think, oh, wow, this is just appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> it really draws people in that are just walking by. And they're like, what in the heck am I looking at here? It's just a big tower with all these squiggly tentacles coming out of it. It's awesome. Yeah, this game will draw attention from across the room. Mm -hmm. You'll be like, what? And if you like <laughs> to paint or touch things up, I've seen a lot of online pictures of these tentacles being painted by players at home to make them look spookier or creepier. They come in a they come in a nice green plastic, but if you wanted to decorate them to be more Cthulhu-esque, I've seen a lot of cool ones online to check out. They did a great job. I actually get to see him testing this game with different crowds. Uh, so there was a lot of older versions where he just took the straight up Kerplunk board just to see if people would be interested in it. And people were in love with this game when they saw it. Mm -hmm. It is really fascinating to watch the marbles not all fall out at once. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was really exciting because to see which marble would come out. So when yeah. it's time to pull a tentacle and throughout the game, while you're investigating, you do pull tentacles out. And as you pull them out, marbles fall out. Not all at once, but a little bit at a time. And what's really cool is there's different colored marbles and they have different effects. And by the way, the art in this game is consummate. Very well done. Beautiful looking art that is proportional and creepy and spooky and very, very evocative. Yeah, it's really on theme. There are times when you hear or think you hear something from like inside the tower. And all of a sudden it's like, you know, nobody move. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, the marbles can fall out like during your turn, even if you hadn't pulled a tentacle and they still count. Oh, yeah. It has the Jenga knock the table rule where it's like if you shake the table or move it in some way where that shakes a marble loose, that's on you. That's your problem. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> and, and that's cool because each marble has a different effect. You add it to your scoreboard. I really like the way the marbles lay onto the scoreboard. I thought it was going to be problematic. It wasn't. They fit right in nicely and slide along and keep track of things very well. One of the cool things is that the marbles have different effects, like you said, because one of them, are, the blue ones, are victory points. Mm -hmm. The white ones are actually spell points, so you can actually use those to power the spell cards that you have. 
The red ones are madness. So that's if you get too mad, yeah, you might go insane. And of course, the real ones you really don't want are the Doom marbles. Unless you're going for the Doom mm-hmm. win. Yeah, that ends the game. Yeah. Because I shall bring the Doom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're going for Doom, you want to be pulling as many of those tentacles out as you can. Yeah. When we were playing with Kurt, I think one of us was going for Doom, and then everybody else was trying to stop them. So the strategy kind of shifts to where you're stopping people from pulling tentacles out. Right, and that was you, by the way. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's always fun being the, the uh, foil for everybody else. I suppose you can't have all the players be insane and just be racing to be the one that brings about the doom. I think if everybody goes insane, it's over, right? No. No, I think uh, yeah, even if everyone goes insane, the winner is the one who actually make the, the doom one fall out. And the game goes way quicker when you're not trying to do anything but pull those tentacles out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Okay. All right, uh, Double hearts. Double hearts. Pull from the tower. Look at that one. Oh, my God. Oh, of course, he gets two discoveries. And a spell. <laughs> two discoveries and a spell. Come, Come on. on. Ed, do you recall I had four madness yeah. to pull out of the tower? Yeah, insanity definitely speeds this game along. Well, another thing that's neat is that the um, the location actually changed the press your luck part of it. Mm-hmm. Like, the press your luck part is pretty standard. Or you, you roll the dice up to three times, and you have to lock a die each time, and at the end of the three rolls, that's it. But the location can give you different goals. Like, oh, if you'd make this sequence happen, no, you get a cool bonus, or you win that investigation. The dice look really great. They have fantastic symbols on them. It's not a screen-printed die. It's an engraved die. It's very high-quality dice that look really nice. And from those who are used to Cthulhu games, you'll recognize a lot of the die symbols, like the, the gate symbol, a heart, the mind, the yellow sign, the elder oak icon, and of course, the elder sign. Mm-hmm. I like how some of the cards you flipped over depending on whether or not you were sane or insane, and they had different effects based on that. That's awesome. Yep. Uh, one side for the sane cards and the other spell for the insane people. Yeah. So it all depends on <laughs> whether or not you were able to keep your marbles to the end. Okay, it's time to decide whether or not to dig up or bury Tower of Madness. Joe, how about you? Given how easy it is for the tower to collapse in a maelstrom of universal doom, this game truly gives a feeling of accomplishment for winning it, or even staying sane. And hey, if it goes the other way, it's not like the end of the world is all bad. You know, go on, dig it up, for Thagen. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, how about you? Malice, marbles, and madness. What more do you need? Dig it up. Ed? Some may complain about the randomness, but really, when you think about it, you're going to need a lot of luck in order to keep your marbles. Dig it up. (laughs) If you're a Cthulhu fan, I think this game is going to have plenty for you. Lots of interesting stuff going on. Dig it up. Ed, where can you find it? Well, the MSRP is about 60 bucks, and the game is available at your local friendly gaming store and online. If you have thoughts about Tower of Madness, let us know. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Which Game First. Our last game up this week is Funky Chicken, designed by Ken Gruel, Satish Pilalamari, and Quentin Weir. Published by North Star Games in 2018. Number of players, three to six, ages six and up. Runtime, two minutes. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Let's start with Ed. What did you think? It's time to get funky with it. Yeah. Mike? This game's got more chaos than a chicken coop. 
<laughs> Joe, how about you? Have you ever scanned hundreds of yards of filthy typewriter ribbon at the bottom of a dumpster behind the motel to crack the case of the unlucky chatterbox? Well, if you like two-minute mysteries, you're going to love this game because you can play it in two minutes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. If North Star's other party card game, Happy Salmon, is afternoon tea, then Funky Chicken is a night at the Roxbury. (laughs) (laughs) This game is bananas. Or, I don't know, what can we use for an egg reference? (laughs) Exactly what you need on party night. (laughs) And it ain't going to be over easy. (laughs) Wow, Evan will be so proud of us for these puns. (laughs) Yeah, he would be. Evan, this one's for you. Evan is still away promoting his book, everybody. It's just the four of us. And while the cat's away, the mice will play Funky Chicken. (laughs) How is it different than Happy Salmon? It's wilder. It's crazier. North Star Games actually says you can combine the two. So Happy Salmon has simpler moves. But the Funky Chicken, you got to be up and hustling. Oh, yeah. You're on your feet and moving around. So you're going from simple things in Happy Salmon, like the fist bump, to bumping your hips. If you are feeling awkward doing Happy Salmon, you are going to feel downright uncomfortable playing Funky Chicken. (laughs) Yeah, and this game is not for the injury prone either. You're going to need a little more space than you did with Happy Salmon. This game is for you if you ever wanted to be an all-time broker on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. (laughs) You're shouting out what you want to do, your intended action, and searching for a partner who'll buy what you're selling. Guys, I actually forgot to tell you what the rules are. (laughs) Here we go. Funky Chicken is a simple, fast-paced card game that gets everyone moving and laughing. So it's basically a two-minute game. There are no turns. The players get a hand of cards, and they simultaneously call out whatever the move is on the card. And when they do, they try to find someone else with that same card in the group. So you're all standing in a circle. I yell bump. I need somebody else has to have a bump card. And if they do, we get together and we bump and we drop the cards. They're gone. First one to get rid of all their cards wins. Simple as that. The movements are bump, swing, spin, and funky chicken, which is waving your arms around. So you have to be up and moving. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) and and don't forget the last little part like celeste did because she would have won but she forgot the key phrase winner winner chicken dinner (laughs) there's a cool alteration to this game which is the silent variant Mm -hmm. where you have to gesture to what your card is so you sort of hold your card up and then pretend you're doing a do-si-do to make to attract somebody's attention bump just move your hip side to side for spin Pointing downward, twirl your fingers up in the air. And then for uh, for Funky Chicken, fold your arms to your side and make the flapping motion. <laughs> oh, yeah, for Funky Chicken, you're supposed to both get together, flap your, your wings and say, so funky. So funky. You got to whisper it, though. So funky. So funky. So if you haven't figured it out by now, this is a silly party game. Yes. Uh, and if you want to know whether or not it's fun, it is fun. Even for those people who are like, oh, my God, are we doing the funky chicken here? Is this really happening? It's, it's fun. It's totally fun. Ed, you were insanely into it. I don't understand why you were so enthusiastic to play this game. <laughs> it did 
not strike me as something that would uh, tickle your fancy, but you were totally into it. He's got to take a break from all those train games and those like long slogs of games. This is his release. A little bit. I mean, I just like something that gets you going. You know, the silliness of it is what drives this game to me. So it's like, I think it's a perfect starter to a night of gaming because it just allows you to just loosen right up and get right into the silliness. Yeah, but it eats up two whole minutes of your night before you can start really gaming. <laughs> yeah, two whole minutes. Exactly. <laughs> and it's actually fun watching people who are uncomfortable with games like this or think they're too cool. Like Evan is definitely yeah. too cool for school in games like this. So it's great <laughs> making him play and watching the awkwardness. I'm just really terrible at this kind of communication. Like, everybody's yelling at each other it's hard to find someone who can't handle this game but it's 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 kind of fun when you do but yeah. i mean the the action's very fast i mean two minutes i mean how bad can something be to do for only two minutes <laughs> i mean and it's a frantic two minutes and it has four moves i mean i actually love that it only has four moves Right. And Celeste has the right voice for this because her voice is good enough to, to yell out and get her attention. Oh, yeah. My voice cuts through anything. I could cut aluminum with my voice and then cut a tomato, you know, like those fancy knives. <laughs> the Ginsu. Ginsu knife. Wow, we are old. Nobody knows what a Ginsu knife is anymore. <laughs> Oh, and I love the packaging. As usual, North Star Games makes a brilliant package. In this case, it's a zip-up chicken that you stick the cards in. And I have to point out that the chicken is wearing shades. Because it's so funky. Oh, I get it, girl. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, it's time to decide whether or not to dig up or bury funky chicken. Joe, how about you? I'm going to sound like a marshmallow, but I think it's worth digging up. Because, you know, some of your friends won't go for a game like this. You probably got other friends who will. (laughs) Ed, how about you? Feeling funky? It's fast, funky fun. If you like a little bit of silliness to start off your gaming session, dig it up. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody says it as good as Ed. (laughs) He's so excited. And how about you, Mikey G? It's a decent icebreaker. Gets the blood flowing, and it also gets to highlight people's social awkwardness. So I say dig it up. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with this game. It's good party fun. Nice and quick. My favorite kind. Dig it up. You can get this game for about $18. It can be found online or at local gaming stores. It's it's everywhere. If you have thoughts about Funky Chicken, let us know. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Which Game First. And that brings us to the end of our show. We look forward to hearing about all the game exploring you've done. If you like even more perks, support our show. Just go to our website and click on Support Us Now. If you get a chance, leave us a review at Apple Podcasts. It really helps others find the show. Join our chat on our Discord server, Which Game First? And our Patreon supporters get access to exclusive channels. Follow us on your favorite social media. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Happy gaming, explorers. Happy gaming. Aloha. Happy gaming. Yeah.